happiness. That is the one thing we should all be striving towards. Yeah. Happiness. Because it doesn't matter how much money you've got. Yeah, when you understand what true happiness is, it's not money, it's not, it's not riches. Yeah. yeah. Right. When you can truly say you're happy and, and content in where you are, you could have a tenner in the bank or you could have 10 million in the bank. Welcome to the Greats Podcast. My name's Richard Beatty, and today I'm going to be speaking to a very old friend, Andy Murphy from the tattoo industry. Um, was in the UK and now he's based in Australia. Uh, fascinating guy, and he's got this is going to be a fascinating story. So, welcome to the podcast, Andy. Cheers, mate. It's good to see your face. Yeah, you too, man. So, um, we've been talking about doing this for quite a while, haven't we? But uh, you know, life gets in the way of uh, of doing stuff. So I'm buzzing that we're getting getting to this uh, this episode of things because, uh, yeah, it's just I, I just know that there's there's going to be some uh, brilliant brilliant stories come out. So um, obviously, the way we work, we start from the beginning and go right through to the to the now and then into the future. You're doing some fascinating stuff now, um, but there's so much that happened in the in the in the past so um you know we'll get we'll get to the now shortly but where did it all start for andy murphy oh i don't know uh i don't know whether i was andy murphy back in the day so you know like the version of me now is fucking nothing like it was when i was younger like young kid bullied and fucking yeah just didn't really know who i was and i was just i don't know just growing up as a person in a, in a man's body. I was massive when I was a kid. So I was like, you know, bullied by the older kids, but really in my head, I was in my heart, I was still a young kid, but because I looked 17 and really I was 12, <laughs> I, I grew up quick, you know, grew yeah, up in a- Cause you are, you are a big guy and yeah. um, you know, you tower above, above me. How tall are you now? Well, I broke my back, didn't I? So. Slash over a bit, I'm like Quasimodo, but yeah, six foot six. But I think with old age, you shrink a little bit. So, and I used to have hair, so I was a bit taller, but now I've grown through it. So, uh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm you about six. I was the biggest kid in school, sort of thing. No, I wasn't. No, I was, I was a short little fat fucker. And then um, I got hit by a car going about, I think it was about 50 mile an hour by an old Cortina, bang. And I couldn't walk for weeks. My mum used to push me around on a skateboard, like fucking looked like a right crap. And um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but my bones just turned into go-go gadget legs and I was fucking full and I just filled out, man. My mum was like, stop growing. I can't afford shoes for you. Wow. And then I got to about 15 and I just, yeah, I left home and I was homeless for a couple of years. I wasn't homeless, but I was, you know, staying in sheds and like thinking on my feet and living off my wits and... You know, I was just always been a bit of a ducker and a diver, but because, so we grew up in between. And I say that in between, because I don't know if people from where, if they can kind of um, associate with how I grew up. So we grew up going to a, a good school, kind of good school. And then we were in an area where it was all right. There was rich kids, poor kids. So poor people, like, so if you're poor, you grew up in a poor area, that's all you know, poor. If you're rich and you grew up in a rich area, that's all you know, rich. Yeah. So if you grow up in the middle, but you're poor or your mum does, because my mum was the mum and the dad, 
and then you grow up and you see the rich kids, that's all you want. But you got to, you got to be a tough kind of cookie to get there. You know what I mean? And a lot of the friends... Like, yeah, whereabouts did you grow up? Oh, so we grew up originally in a place called uh, Northwood, which is in Middlesex, which is a, quite a nice area, which is full of Dinlows. And um, oh, we was always what? fucking around. Dinlows, like sausages, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so um, and then my mum, long story, really, she got, she, you know, she wasn't very good with her funding and that, she lost the house. And um, and that's kind of what pushed me on. There's so many stories that will come out of this, but that was, that's what pushed me on to, as you've seen through the years, if I lose something, I just come bounce straight back because I'll never go back to that life. Yeah. You know, if I have to work 10 times as hard as the next man, I, which I do anyway, I believe that I'd never stop. And, you know, I'd hate to look back in life and think I had all these opportunities and I never took them. And some people will say, listen, Mrs. Chill. Say hello, Chill. Hi. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd hate to sit there, but it'd be great if you could make chill. It'd be great if you could not make much noise, yeah? Because I'm doing, thank you. Do that later. Do it later. Cheers. And, um, yeah, but I'd hate to look back in years to come and, and think I didn't take that opportunity. And many people used to say to me, oh, you do too much. You're doing it. Oh, fuck off. Like, you don't do enough. How about that? Mm. Yeah? You're quite happy to sit there and smoke your fags and go down a pub and do whatever you're doing in life, which I don't judge anyone. I just get on with my life. I'm not interested in left or right. I'm just going straight. Yeah. So people go to me, oh, you can't do that and you can't do that. And I say, well, you know, I can. I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm Andy and you're you. And if you don't want to do that, don't do it. But I reckon, apart from flying with my arms, I can't do that. But I've proved numerous times. I can, do, I can go, you, could, like, you know yourself, mate. And it's not me being big-headed. You can see I've done it. I can go to any country, start again, do what. It's just, it, just me. It's, just... it's absolutely amazing what you do. I, I think most people who know you, uh, love you, or hate you, uh, in, in awe of what you do and what you achieve. You can't, even if you don't like me, you'll still watch me mm. because you can put me in space and I rule the place. And that's not being big headed. Yeah. That's just me being a survivor. When I moved to Bali and the bankruptcy and all that, and you went, you have to go. So my hands are a bit grubbing. I've been rubbing down cars all day and then I jumped on this podcast. So I look like a bit of a chimney sweeper. But um, when I went to Bali and you went, you've got to go, you know, sell whatever you've got to do. And there's what that. And, you know, I was hanging around and fucking stupid artists in your gaff and not getting on with people and all that. And I just thought, fuck this. And you went, go on, go. And I got on that plane. It was the best thing I ever did. And I count my lucky stars that I met you all those years ago. And you pushed me into that because although I was in England, Cyprus, Dublin, doing all these studios and all these fucking fake people around me, I didn't really see the bot that I had the bottle to go to Bali, man. Fucking Bali. Like, it's across the other side of the world, bro. Like, I've been to Vegas and I've been to Spain and so on and all this. But, yeah, Bali. Um, but, well, yeah, Bali. Obviously, like, that's where you met Chill as well. Built, if Chill's kicking about, we'll bring her on a little bit later as well, Sailor. But let's go back to um, Andy at school. I bet you were a little twat at school. I was highly educated. Always have been. I've always been 10 steps ahead. Now, a lot of people look at me when they think I'm stupid, and I click, they can think what they want. Because I know that when I was a young age and I did an IQ test that I ripped up in half, I still got 147. And people will think, oh, fuck, it's a fact. 
I did a psychometrics test in school. It was the highest average there. I can work sums out like that. I can nick a few quid here. I can make a few quid there. And the people that don't like me will go, yeah, whatever. I'll prove it time and time again. Go wherever I want. And in school, I was in a school. <laughs> Funnily enough, I used to cause so much drama in school because I, was, I had the fucking attention span of a cat with a bit of street. Like, you could not keep me... I remember looking out the window once and this geography teacher was like, Murphy. And I said, my name's Andy, not Murphy. I'm not in the army, bro. Just, yeah. And he was like, you fucking never pay attention. And I said, that's because you're fucking boring, mate. What are you going to teach me? And probably looking back, it was a very condescending way that I spoke to the teacher, but I just wasn't interested in what this kid, this geezer had to teach me about somewhere in fucking wherever. And I just wasn't interested. So school was a difficult one for me because I wanted to learn but they were teaching me the wrong subjects. And I always knew from a young age that I can take a pack of fags and take them out individually and sell them for more. And by the end of the day in school, I have enough to buy 40, 60 the next day, 70, 200 fags by the end of the week. I've nicked a few quid. I'm doing a milk round in the morning. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm earning good dough at 13 years old. 12 years. When you say... And nicked a few quid. That means you made a few quid. It doesn't mean that you stole a few quid, does it? It means. Ah, that... I mean, we was all little bastards when we were younger. Who didn't nick a skateboard? And who didn't nick? Do you know what I mean? Like, who, who didn't? Yeah. And if you didn't, it was your mates. And if you might, you know, we grew up in a place where, and this is what I was going back to growing up in the middle. So we grew up watching all the kids have nothing. Yeah. And, and, and then we watched the kids have everything. So I wanted that. So I would go out at three in the morning and do a milk round and I would get up and I would do sell sweets at school and do a tuck shop and sell cigarettes and, you know, whatever I had to do to nick a few quid, I'd make money. Yeah. And you know, that's just how I was. My mum used to work for Tetley. I'll tell you a funny story. My mum used to work for Tetley yeah, in Greenford, massive company, you know, Tetley tea bags, remember? Yeah. And she used to, um, she used to get these big old like, wind socks. They were the fucking things. There were so many tea bags in them. And she used to get 1500 for about four quid. Now, I was walking around the supermarket once and I saw the little blue bags that had 100 in for like 250. And I thought, hold up. I thought, I'm going to take one of them 1500 bags. I'm going to chop it up into hundreds and I'm going to sell them for, or 200s and sell them for three quid. Yeah, I'm going to double up on tea bags. So I tea bagged every mum on the estate. And anyone that knows what tea bag means, yeah, it's quite <laughs> funny. Really. So I was, I was nicking loads of dough out of that. Right, and my mum stopped getting. I don't know if you've seen that film with uh, what's his name, the black, what's his name, fucking um, Denzel Washington, when he can't get his heroin and it and it all dries up and he can't. And I couldn't get no more tea bags off. Legit, they wouldn't sell her no more tea bags, so I couldn't get no more tea bags to sell to the mums, and they all had the app, and I was making I was making good coin out of it, and that was just part of me growing up. And and when I left home. I was homeless, but I was out and about, ducking and diving and doing my thing that, to survive. That's a lot of behavior, Andy. Like that, that's that's some of the best education out there, I think, like to 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 learn life like that, you know, to learn how to think on your feet and to see an opportunity and, and go and take it. And that's that seems to be what you've done your entire life, you know. Yeah. But so when it, when you left school, like like qualifications, did you did, you know, you no, I didn't do my GCSEs. I didn't want to do them. My mum and dad got uh, one of the first fines in the borough for me skipping school. I wasn't interested in school. There's nothing you could teach me in school. I didn't want to learn. If you put me in woodwork or fucking whatever, anything hands-on, bang, straight A student, 
concentration. You, I love building. I love creating. Whether you call it an artist or someone expressing themselves, or you know, like when tattooists go, oh, oh, "You're not an artist." Well, I don't know. I can build a studio that looks fucking ten times better than you. Is that not an artist? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. All I my studios. Creation. If 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 uh, absolutely. Yeah. When you create something, when you see it in the mind, and you get passionate about it, and you produce mm. something that didn't exist in reality until you did that, that is creation, and that is what I call art. Copy. Well, I can look at. Like, so when with this building here, the very building I'm sitting in now, you saw the building when I got it, yeah, the yellow, yep. the dust, everything. And then when did I get it? Fifteenth of Feb. And in the fifteenth, since the fifteenth of Feb. What is it now? Fucking hell, I'm so tired. I don't even know what date it is. Second of May. Second, second of May. To do the maths on that, in that short space of time, bearing in mind I'd broken me back, been in a crash that would have killed most people, got up out of it, came back to Sydney with not a pound coin, apart from enough money for a flight, and I had to start again. And I hate starting again, but I'm not going to sit there and someone go, oh, he's failed, because I love failing because I fell forward. You ain't stopping me, mate. And people might call that arrogance, but it's absolutely no way in the world that I'm going to sit on Facebook and go, oh, I fucking can't do this. And I can't, because there's no point. No one cares. Like 50% of people don't care. 40% want you to fail. And the other 10% actually do like you. Yeah. yeah. I always tell people, you know, like the people get paranoid about what people think oh, about them. You know, they, they feel like people are judging them. And, um, oh, but what about this? It's a fact. A fact. People don't give a fuck about anybody but themselves. They'll pay attention, you know what I mean? And they might have something to say, but they don't really care about you. They only care about themselves. Get on. I, I don't think that's... Sorry to interrupt or interject, but I don't think that's correct because I care about you. I know we've had our discrepancies in the past. Yeah, that, that's, that's different, yeah. you know what I mean? But, like, the, gen, the, the general... A lot of people uh, are worried about what the general public think about them. Of course, so I tell you, you care about your friends, but the general public, they might be watching you, they might be paying attention, they might have you on Facebook, but they don't really care about you. You know what I mean? It's it's you know. it's it's just you inspire people that pretend to not even see you. Just listen to what I just said there, yeah. There's people you know that have watched your journey and taken snippets of that and become successful for through what you've either taught them or they've learned through watching you, whether that's through tenacity or grit and or whatever it is yeah like yeah. people look at me they're not impressed by what i do they're just surprised i'm still going that's all it is and when people go oh he doesn't like me oh, listen 90 of people don't like themselves why the fuck do i care if they like me exactly don't like yourself. work on yourselves yeah? yeah i'm good i'm good i've got my little circle of friends i couldn't give a monkeys what's going on in that tower industry i'm glad i'm out of it i've never met such a bunch of idiots but at the same time met so many cool people at the same time yeah yeah like i've met some absolute blinders like and i'll talk about them as we go on like people that have been true and stayed and i've gone out of my way and i've fed people put roofs over their head and clothed people gave them a job not worried about paying their tax i've taken it on the chin yeah, and they don't even talk to me anymore. So yeah. that's good. That's brilliant. You've been through it, I've been through it, and anyone that's got a fucking studio that's taking an apprentice on or an artist that's gone, oh, I work like a dog for you. I don't want you to work like a dog. I just want you to come to work and do some graft. Yeah, and they fucking give it the big end, and then you see the status up. Oh, I'm no longer with this studio anymore. Thanks so much for the chance you gave me. And all fuck off. 
Do you know what I mean? Bollocks. Don't even do that though. Do they just fuck off in the oh, room? Like, go, just let them do what they're going to do, mate. People show their true colours. Yeah. They do. Yeah, there's a bunch of them out there. Um, right, so work. Yeah, go go for it, mate. Um, you leave school out into the big yeah. world. Uh, I think by the sound of it, you were prepared for for that environment way more than the rest of your schoolmates, you know. Uh, oh, I don't think I've ever been prepared for any environment I've been in. I've just made the best of it. Yeah. Well, what was your first job then? But not the milk, because obviously that was when you were still at school, but... Oh, fucking hell, mate. There's been... Oh, mate, I've been a dustman. I've washed dishes in fucking kitchens. I've worked in jewellery shops. Not for long, because there's jewellery in there. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I've done all sorts, mate. I've... Mainly security, so I've done a lot of door work and then progressed on and did my... Um, oh, mate, I've worked on every door in London and because of my size and the people I grew up with and the environment I grew up with, I very much got into the naughty corner straight away. And you know some of the people I know and there's some people go, oh, he's this and he's... I'm no one, I'm just a hard worker, but I know some incredibly naughty people. Yeah. So when you know those people, you become that circle and you go into environments that you grow in that circle and... And it's, listen, when you're my size, it's very difficult to be good. Yeah. And then when you're naughty, it's very, it's even harder to go back and be good. So when you saw my studios with Underground Inc, I'd already been on the other side of the coin. Yeah. I've been to prison. I've done all that. We can talk about that later. I've done all the bad things you can do, possibly. Yeah. So, well, not all of them. But so then when I chose to go on the straight and narrow, and you go through the hard times and, you know, like there's fucking studios that I lost or whatever happens. Let's get and to the studios, right? Like, go on. obviously this is how we met through the tattoo industry. And, yeah. um, you, you know, it's clear that like, obviously you've been through a bunch of jobs. You didn't like them. They didn't like you. And I, I can imagine that you're not the sort of guy that like sticks at something because your brain's just like, boom, 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 boom. You know, did you find that you were actually telling your boss how to do things? No, I just fucking, I've always been, so from a young age, my old man said to me, if you get a trade under your belt, you'll never go hungry. So I started working for my, he looked like the geezer at Chaz and Dave, and he used to do all the block plate. He was the dodgiest car. I just say to him, you fucking come to work with Stetsons on and a horse, you're like a proper cowboy, yeah? But I learned how to do block paving, patios, brick walls, whatever needed to be done. So I always had that in the background, decorating and all that. And I was really good at it. Yeah, you can show me a couple of times and that's it, I can do it. Yeah. So, um, and which is which I've fallen back onto here now and created this fucking yeah. masterpiece here, which is amazing. Studios, really that, it's just been like bish, bash, bosh for you, hasn't it? Just Yeah, what happened was, so I opened my first one in Barnet and did it all and fucking just made something amazing and it just escalated into that and then I got in with that stupid prick in Denmark and I have to hold my hands up and say he's good at running a business but the way he ran his business I didn't like the snakiness of it so I pulled away from it and it caused dramas across the whole industry everyone was like da, da, da. but you know as a person he was all right yeah. you know but I just didn't like him in the end so I pulled away and everyone was like I'm pointing fingers and going there and it's just the tattoo industry one person one person's dramas in the tattoo industry is next week's news so you see so many dramas and so many things happened and there was fucking scandals and people all like, you know, I'm me, I'm the, I'm Andy, I'm a big fella, I'm a big personality. So everyone always knew what I was up to because I show it, I show my journey. I'm not afraid to talk about it. 
Yeah, because if you say it and you believe it and you, you can achieve it, all these people that hold their cards close to their chest, they're all still doing the same shit they did five years. Some of the artists that work for me in Cyprus, I won't name names because they're that not important to me. Yeah, they're still putting up pictures of fucking drawings they did five years ago. And I never outed them for spelling tattoos wrong and doing all the stupid shit they did in Cyprus. I just moved on. When anything goes wrong, I don't join the circus and fuck around with monkeys, yeah? I leave and I go because I know there's something else out there, whatever it may be. I'm not interested in dramas. Same thing that happened in Dublin with my barber when he got kidnapped. You all saw that. I so, shut up, shut up. Right, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Ban at first, right? Because you, hmm. you had multiple studios. You've done something that a lot of people haven't done. Again, yes, you, you opened Barn at first. Then, yeah. then, oh, what you want me to go tell, tell, yeah, the clients? Then, oh, then, Barnett, what was the next studio? Because you had Barnet, and obviously, you had like a bad you know, like a, a business relationship thing. But before that happened, you uh, opened other studios as well, didn't you? Yeah, I went into JVs, joint ventures with other people, and it was probably the worst thing I ever did, but I learned so much from it. So although people looked at me and blamed me for the stuff, people showed their true colours. I've, yeah. I've always been 100% from day one. I'm me. If you don't like it, you can fuck off. I couldn't give a shit. Yeah? But I'm always... You know, I'm, I've always been me. Yeah? And if I'm with someone, I'll call them out. You know, from people you've helped and I've fallen out with, and we won't even talk about them, they're non-existent to me. But, you know, I went into Stratford, then we got fucking Dublin. Then we, Dublin was a massive studio, man. That was a big load of pressure on me. I put over 150 grand into that. And it all went tits up because, and I had to take full accountability for that because I chose the team. It wasn't their fault, I chose a bad team. And a lot of people, when they point fingers in this industry, they don't take accountability for the actions of themselves. Yep. They just pass the buck. Oh, old man's up, picked the wrong team. I'll pick a load of nuggets. Yeah, some of them were all right. And then people were stealing and doing that. It's a long story. And then the fucking barber got people. I think I've been robbed of uh, staff and artists in so many different ways. You could almost write a book just on that, you know. Um, did you get robbed or did you learn a lesson from it? Oh yeah, you 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 learn a lesson and you you make adjustments and uh, you you not to trust people and unfortunately, but yeah. Um, Pay for what? No, it's on my, it's on the it's, I think it's over there. Sorry, I'm interrupting the podcast. Perhaps a bit. Um, yeah. So sorry, where were we? We can edit that bit people, out, can't we? Oh, no, it's all right. People robbing you from you, stabbing you in the back, and we've, we've both been through it. Uh, uh, you know, we, I, I, I reckon we could write a book about it. You know, like it's, it's hard to find people that are good enough to trust, and that there's so many people that aren't loyal. And with with like joint ventures and uh, even employing people, it's difficult because if you're especially, I mean, they'll rob from underneath your nose, but if you're not there, it's like it's a fucking free for all, isn't it? And that's that's obviously I've, I've had other studios as well and that's one of the things that like blew my mind how you managed it because um i certainly found that uh, you can't trust people like as soon as you turn your back people are thieving they've got their hands in the till yeah and and you know like i took thank you darling i took um i took people on face value and unfortunately it came back to bite me on the ass and i've helped apprentices i look at them now and i think well done i remember see, oh, 
no, I'm not going to name names. I've seen people putting statuses up going, oh, thank you to this person for getting me where I am. But not they didn't mention that I got on a plane with them, took them to that place, helped them learn their trade and do that. But it was a bit like in, um, do you remember that Rocky film? Was it Rocky Five? When he trains the Tommy Gunn and he's in the, one of the last scenes, he's like, I'd just like to thank Don King or whoever the guy was in the movie. You know? And he sits there and he's gutted by it. Like legit guys, you can see on his face. And, and I, I've had that emotion so many times because a lot of the people that I know that are now doing really well in the industry and fair play to them are great. I hope everyone that I fell out with or had disagreements with do well in life. But you're not, I want you to eat, but not at my table anymore because you've shown your true colors. And you know some of the people I've known and they've asked me for help when my brand was popping. Yeah, I was... There was, I was out and about doing things. You even caught my clothing brand at fucking um, the London Fashion Week. Yeah. I had, that, so, I, right. So hang on a minute. Right. Uh, when was that? When, when, when was that before Tattoo Studios? You, you, or, or... No, when I started. So I, I, um, what's that amazing female fashion designer? I think of the name in a minute. I know it, you know, I know so many people through my journey and just from working on doors and just the, is it the underworld? I don't know, or just dodgy people. You just meet them along the way. And I've, my Black Brook's massive. So when her name was Kate, I mean, and I said to her, listen, I want to do a little promo stunt with some, with a clothing brand. She said, what's your clothing brand? I said, I ain't made one yet. And she said, well, what do you want to call it? And I said, I will call it 08. She went, why? I said, it's the no number of the, first shop that I got. I didn't care what it was called. I, I, you, I can sell that Peroni bottle, don't bother me. Yeah, so I called it 08. And I got. I said, what's the next big event coming up? She said, the London Fashion Week. I said, right, why? I think I bought, I think I've done 500 hats, 500 t-shirts, put them all into promo packs. Right. And I said to her, take them up there and, and give them out. And then I got like, cause obviously Callum Best and a few other people that I know, he went on to Big Brother. And I gave him all my merch and he was in the studios getting tattoos with all the tattoo models and the stupid pricks like Lewis Poe and all them fucking idiots that I used to know. And they all loved me when I first started my brands. Yeah. And then, but the, the good people stayed by me, like Callum and all them lot. And as you know, like, and now I do with the mobile phone company and whatever, like some of the people that were involved in that. Um, that's still on the back Just back to 08. So I was actually at that London Fashion Week because we didn't even know each other then, did we? Um, looking for products, merchandise, clothing to sell in my studio, and um, I actually ended up getting two of those bags. So I own two of those hats. Hey, there he is. Go on, son. That's what I'm talking about. Now that was let's get that straight. Are we, we're not straight. I'm looking at that. Ah, oh, God, let's so get it straight. Right, there we go. It's fucking on in it, right? So I'd got this hat, right? And um, I think it was, how, how, how did this happen? Because like, I didn't know you then. You nah. didn't know me. And um, I'm here walking about with your hat on, right? I've actually got two of these because I picked up two of them bags, right? Hey, and, um, a couple of years on, eh? It was, it was, I think it was a couple of years on, thereabouts, maybe, maybe even three years on. The, yeah, uh, uh, we eventually met. Uh, yeah, because 
because I bought the Killer B because I didn't want to, I wasn't tattooing at the time. And I started tattooing and I was banging out lines and I was doing all right with the tattooing, bro. And fucking, you know, I'd done a couple of boo-boos and that, but some of the people that I used to know and that, and I used to think, well, I'm pulling out better lines than you are and you're claiming a beer. So, and I thought, I've got to go and buy one of these machines. So I phoned you and I said, I want all singing, all dancing. I had 08 put on it, didn't I? Underground ink and it had rose gold on it. It was the Killer B, the top one. And you said, I'll send it in the post. And I said, no, I want to come and meet you and get it off you. And I drove all the way from London up to the Lake District. Yeah. And I met you and I sat down with you and I drove all the way home the same day. I think I was in a fast car as well. I think I got a ticket that day as well. But I bought you, probably, you know me. Um, I lost my license, didn't I, on the way to Liverpool Tattoo Convention in the Bentley. Fucking, I got caught doing 157, didn't I? I was saying it was mental. Do you remember? I can't remember. Yeah, anyway. So, the um, so, so, so yeah. At what I, point did you realise I had your hat? Because I still didn't know this was yours. I was wearing it one day, and I went, where the fuck did you get my hat from? Because I didn't have any left. And I thought, you've nicked it, you fucker. And I said, where'd you get my hat from? And you went, no, I got that in the London Fashion Week. And I went, leave it out. I said, stop it now. And you went, I got that in London Fashion Week. And I went, that's, oh, eight, Barnet Shop, number eight. And you went, and we were just like dumbfounded. The fact that the energy in the universe was working before we even met. Yeah, yeah. we were meant to be, you and me, Andy. We were 100%, 100%. You meet some people, and we've had our ups and downs like fucking Brides Night, didn't we? Do you know what I mean? And But we always like, I'm a, I'm like a pit bull when I get sang in my mouth. And sometimes when I'm, you know, people I still don't talk to in this industry and I never will again. But I knew that I fucked up a little bit because I felt hurt by a couple of things that happened. And I just thought, no, nah, because me, I will cut someone off. I'm not fighting, I've known you 15 years or not. And I sat there and then you... Someone told me, Steve Cutter, he said, oh, Rich is in hospital. And I thought, fuck that, I'm messaging him and I'm going to apologise and say sorry. And we became friends again. I don't even think we stopped being friends. It was just, I think, do you know what I mean? It was one of them. So. Uh, like creative people with strong characters. We're going to clash, but like, um, you know, like I think we've got something more than just just a friendship. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're energy, you know, it all works on energy. People don't... People don't understand about energy. They really don't, yeah? yeah? And if it's energy doesn't lie, and the energies we've met along the way, and I could name so many people that were just wankers at your studios, and I don't care if they don't like me. I called it, did I not, every time on each day. And they say the same thing about me. But I've never actually done anything wrong. I don't think I have. Do you know what I mean? I might be a little bit outspoken but at the same time I've always been loyal I think I've always been loyal I try yeah. to be loyal to people yeah. and I always say to people people are only loyal till their needs change as you found out multiple times from the certain acquaintance we had from the Manchester studio and all that and you know it's just one of those things where you just people I, I always say people don't change their masks just fall off and that's exactly what happens their masks fall off and they expose themselves and then once you know that they know, that you know, and you're both under the same impression that you don't like each other. That's it, it's finished, done. There's, you got, there's no coming back from it. So what's the point in flogging a dead horse? See, I tell her, fuck off, you proved yourself on the, on your way. Yeah. And that's why I just move on in life, do you know what I mean? But there are certain people that, you know, sometimes I'm a little bit, you know, bashful and fucking, you know, I have to, you know, rein myself in and apologize sometimes, you know, but we're only human at the same time. You know, we all make mistakes and there's all these people out there judging people and we're all just running our own race. Uh, you know, that's all we're doing. 
And, and, and that's the thing in this industry as well. Many people point the finger, but fucking, I'll tell you what, let's have a look in your wardrobe and see if there's any skeletons, because I fucking bet there is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just because you're not on the front line. That's why a lot of famous people have such a hard time, you know, because they're in the spotlight, the paparazzi, everyone knows their business and they're all like, oh my God. And that's the thing that pisses me off in this industry is everyone goes, oh, mental health week, let's all fuck, yeah, but you're the first person to fucking slag someone off on your status or join in. And it's, it's like, a, they call it a community. It's not, it's an industry because communities stick together. They really do. And the first time I ever witnessed the, the, the industry sticking together was the bumblebee thing in Manchester. And that was the biggest thing when they raised all that money and it was Sam Barber and a few others. And you've got to take your hats off to them lot because they raised absolutely hundreds. I think, did it even get to a million? I don't know. You know, but who knows? Yeah, so we uh, we eventually met through you buying a killer bee and uh, obviously we'd known each other for a little while. We'd been speaking and stuff and um, I'd been seeing what you were doing with underground ink and um multiple studios and that so you know i wanted to meet you as well it was amazing what you were doing i had a lot of respect for what you were doing in the industry and um he yeah killed me by the way, uh, that, you know. i remember going over to your your studio in dublin now oh yeah you came for the opening didn't you i forgot about that yeah okay well i came for some i can't remember what it was for i don't know whether it was the opening Remember, we joined, did you? We, oh, we, he was with, he was with, um, he was with Stephen Gatey, Gatey. Stephen Gatey. Um, yeah, he's a nice fella. Um, good artist as well, fucking great artist. We don't speak Stephen anymore, Getty, but. <laughs> I think yeah. it's Stephen Gatey. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. It's Stephen Gatey, yeah. Um, Stephen Gatey. Yeah, I, I was going to, I was going to. You were doing your little tour. You were doing your little tour thing with your drones and your. Yeah, for you, I think you went to Willie G's. That's right. Fucking hell, it's mad how you remember that. You went to Willie G's, you went to Stefan's, and yeah. and then didn't didn't we go and do a convention together after that? Was that another time? Didn't we go and do the, the yeah, sure we, we all drove, we, we drove down. Did I not pick you up in Dublin? And we, we drove yeah. down to Cork. Uh, That's right. Tattoo convention at Cork. That was some fucking drive. Yeah, and then you missed the ferry, you fucking plonker, didn't you? We had to sleep in the car and I had to listen to the fucking story all night. I Island with you a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we, oh, ended up, we ended up missing the ferry and uh, on the way home and had to sleep in the car, didn't we? In the Jag, that's right, yeah. And that, I mean, that Orange. Studio Dublin, that was all, you know, a lot of it was just... I think what I wanted to do was, because there's not a lot of people that come into the industry that aren't artists that start tattoo studios and then make them successful or were they successful, I don't know. Everything, I'm here now in the best place in the world with the most amazing misses after losing everything, but did I lose it? Was it just a journey and, and a stepping stone to, to finding my Sometimes you get sick of the shit that you've made, though. Sometimes you like make a make a rod for your own back. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you know, you had a lot of same as me. We had, had a lot of things go wrong that wasn't necessarily your fault. If if yeah, I think you had a bit too much on your plate. It's a bit hard to manage. And you know, my mates nicknamed me Margarine because I was spread so thin. Yeah, yeah. I was running around. Like a headless chicken, mate. Dublin, Manchester, fucking Denmark. You were all over the Dublin. place. Now, so let's just Cyprus. go to Dublin because you had some mad shit going on in Dublin. <sighs> Let me tell you now, mate. 
there's not many people. So if you got a phone call at three o'clock in the morning saying we're going to kill your barber, I said he ain't that fucking bad at cutting hair. What do you want to kill him for? They said we're going to, and then I heard him being tortured, which looking back now was a really difficult thing for me to deal with. And I don't think even people have. I put a status up on Facebook about why I'm shutting the studio, but whether this guy was involved in the people that they said, I'm not going to say the name of who it was, but whether he was involved in that certain firm or not, was was he or was were they going to kill my mate? And they, they asked for 10 grand. And I said, I bet you we should ask for 15 now, didn't you? So they were under the impression, I, but they were so stupid, like when they were doing it, like they WhatsApp me and I fucking got his number and done a search on it and found out who it was straight away. And obviously they didn't know who I was connected to in London. So I phoned it. Anyway, it's a long story. So I got a flight straight out to Dublin that morning and I got picked up at the airport with two very influential people and they had shooters in the car and they went to get him and we got, we got Muzz out and back to the, back to the studio. And like, I noticed him. Your barber in Dublin, cause he had a barbershop upstairs. I met yeah. him. Uh, cause when lovely I- fella. Uh, Lovely fella, just skin all the time. All, and he was, all this happened, wasn't it? So yeah. like, I, I already knew Muzz and then, then, then all, all this happened. And yeah. Barber got kidnapped and held to ransom, and they tried to get the money out of you to release Muzz, and they were torturing him on the phone, and he's Muslim, yeah. and you know, and then you jumped on the fucking plane and goes to Dublin. Can you tell me to do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Talk about having somebody's back. Do you know what I mean? Mate, I've got bigger stones, and like, there's all pe like people have tested me in my life, like my when my ex got with that fella and all that, and he was trying to wind me up. But if I lose my rag, I'm going to prison for 10 years. So I keep my temper down. You, uh, honestly, the things that go through my head sometimes are people that used to, I want, I want to get their head and squash it. But you have to take into account that if you fuck up a little bit like that, you'll be on the door for 10 years. And I'm not prepared to waste my life with people that are throwing sticks and stones at me, yeah? I'm not interested. You can call me what you want. You're still doing the same fucking thing you were doing 10 years ago, telling the same stories, sitting in the same pubs. I've been all around the world and set up fucking global enterprises and lost it all, started again, done whatever. That's by the by. But when it comes to the crunch and you're my friend, I've got your back. Yeah. And I thought Mars was my friend, but in reality, as it went on and I found a bit more out about it and all that, he's just a little druggie. And he was, you know, we all get on it and we all do our thing in that, but he was getting on it with this fellow and he racked up a massive debt and the only way to pay it was they had to fucking give him a bit of a slap and try and get the money out of me. And in reality, like, he should have just come to me and said, Andy, I owe 10 grand. And I would have gone, there you go. That's what he should have done, but he didn't. And in retrospect, now looking back, I had to walk in the shop the next day and say, I'm shutting the shop because if they've done that with him, they can come and do it with any other person that works in this shop. And I'm not prepared to go through that again. And I'm not prepared to keep running the studio with my manager at the time. And he was my best mate and there was money going missing and I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, I think in my head, I was very confused because I was trying to juggle so many studios and so many artists and all I had all these, I had, one of my artists was beating up another artist in London. And it, I was just like, I haven't caused none of this. None of it's my problem. And I was self-medicating. 
drinking. I ballooned in weight, didn't I? And then I fucking ended up losing over 100 kilos, which was fucking amazing. I put a bit of timber back on, but not that much. And I've just been through the maddest journey. And, and what we did was we got him back to the studio and I noticed he was sitting down funny. And then I said to him, why, why are you sitting on your left? Like, and I said to him, listen, if you're, in the, if you're on the other side of the coin, you can't call the other lot. You can't call the other bill, yeah? But I said, you're not, you're a normal kid. Yeah, you're a normal boy. You just got in the wrong thing. I said, so, I said, let me put it this way. If you had, if you had a daughter or a son and this happened to them, what would you do? He said, I'll call the police. I said, well, that's what you need to do then. Because if he can do this to you, he can go and do it to someone else. And what if it is someone's daughter or son and they don't come back? Then what do you do? Yeah. Now, we can all play the fucking Charlie Big Bollocks, but if, if that was me and that's it, I would have smashed the geezer to pieces. But... He wasn't, he was, he was just muzz, isn't he? He's just, he's a lovely kid, but he just gets on the tackle too much and he got himself in trouble and we all fucking have mad lives and I don't hold it against him, but I had to take full accountability again because I chose that team. I chose him. So I, did I lose the studio because he done that? No, I lost the studio because I picked the wrong barber. Yeah, I picked the wrong team. I picked the wrong people to have. And I have to, and there's all these people pointing the finger. And when I was in Cyprus and the artist was going, oh, I've got to move back to England because there's all that. No, you didn't. You just didn't work hard enough. There you go. He had a shot in Cyprus as well. Now, oh, yeah, I picked an absolute whopper of a team there. Fucking hell. Like, what a bunch of wankers they were. And I lost 60 grand out of that. And all the old people were doing was pointing things. I lost 60 bags and I just fucking went, whatever, and just moved on. Yeah. You got to cut your losses. Like people don't realize that, and and like a lot of people have been like, "Oh, Andy, this and Andy that," but like you put a fortune into it, created jobs for people, and then the, the you know when they fuck up, they blame you. My fault. Fuck yeah. it. I said, "What? How about did I ask you for a job?" There you go. No. You asked me to come and work with me, and I said to you, all you got to do is get yourself busy. There's a table, there's everything. And my studio's were the bollocks. It weren't like you were sitting on fucking wooden tables and stuff. There was tats old chairs and this and that. You know, and I used to get all the chairs delivered from Barber DTS and all them lot, and fucking hey, your best mate one minute and talking about you the next one. Fucking hell, man, what a bunch of... I, I, Back in the day, the tattoo industry was full of bikies and fucking throw down, have a scrap if there was a problem. They're all drug dealers, they're all doing this, fighting, guns, arms, this. Now it turns into a Facebook war and a status. And everyone, and you see me at a tattoo convention, and I've done this a couple of times. And I've also, you ask Emilio Winter, I've walked straight into a convention, and there's fucking whoever, there's two people here that I won't name their names. I walked into a convention, I said, You outside now, me and you're going to have a chat. And they've gone white. Yeah. You can be the fucking hardest cunt in the world on behind a uh, computer, but if you're talking shit about me and I see you, that's it, it's on. And I said to him, if I smash you up now, I'm the bully, I'm the bad guy, but what, do I just forget about the shit you said about me, yeah? Fair enough. Just apologise. Just say sorry. And one, we was at um, Halloween Tattoo, but it was a Halloween, that fucking, what's his name? The kids that went to prison. What's his name? McCarthy, Mac, Mac McCarthy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing was, is... I have to say, so when I first started Underground Inc., you try getting a good artist when you're not known, right? You know how hard it is to get a good artist. Five years later, I had the best. Yeah, I had some cool cats in my studios. But I didn't know how to get these artists. So I messaged, and he's still one of my best pals this day, Emilio Winter. 
I messaged him and I said, do you fancy coming to the studio? And he went, I don't even know who you are. And I said, we'll come down and find out then. I said, we'll go over a curry, we'll get on it, we'll have a few beers, we'll have a laugh and you come down and fucking, I'll tell you, he come to my gaff, right? We had the best time. I won't say what happened, he knows, he'll be smiling now. And he left that day best mates. We were best mates, yeah? And I've been up and down and whenever people have needed people in studios, I've always recommended, you know, yourself, I, you know, yeah, send this person up and that. And I've just got to make a phone call and they go up there because they loved me, like Anto Testa and all the people that have come up to your studio. And I've said, go on, go up there. He's a laugh, we'll look after you. And when we started Tattoo Escapes, and that didn't quite work out. Yeah, but I'll tell you one thing now, I think we were one of the first people to start doing it. And there's a few people doing it now because maybe I wasn't competent enough to get the idea done, but I tried. And a lot of people don't try. You know, it's better to try something and fail to than to not try at all, isn't it? You know what I mean? If you got or this, more. and and the only way that you know whether you can do it or not is is to give it a go. And I think that you learn so much even from failing. You know what I mean? It it just like stands you in good stead for the for the next project. Absolutely. Absolutely. So fuck all the tattoo industry anyway, because it's boring talking about these lot. Yeah. Let's talk about saying energizing, like fucking coming well, to Australia. So, like, we had a bit of a mad situation where, right, everything had went foot tits up with the, the your studios, and uh, time, one day I've got a, a guy coming for a, a meeting from uh, up in Scotland. Uh, to, he's meeting us at the studio. He's an engineer, and. I comes in that morning and you are in my reception, right? I didn't know where else to go. Yeah. So like, like I was you know like, what it was? I'll tell you a quick story. So I went to Emilio's. I didn't know why. I just went on a mad one. I just went for a drive and he had some little prick working for him, Ivano. Yeah. And he was a bit, cause I said something online and he was a bit rude to me in front of people. And I thought out of respect for Emilio, I just fucked off. Yeah. But in reality, if he'd said that to me anywhere else, then I don't think he'd be a tat rightist anymore. So I left and I drove up to yours because he the the period from him, his studio to yours, only about three and a half hours. Yeah. I think I was driving that VRS at the time, so it went a bit quicker than that. And um because this is where things changed. The, the, this this was kind of like the the pivot the breakdown, wasn't it? And um let me just get I, a beer. I always what remember that. I told the story like so many times because it was. I'm just going to get a beer. Two seconds, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to tell this story while you're getting a beer. So you were in, the, you were in the studio, in the reception, and I was like, "What are you doing here, Andy?" I said, "You know, because no, no, in, you know, I didn't know you were coming or anything." And he says, "Look, uh, everything's went tits up." I'm not very well. I've been in hospital. Uh, the 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 saying that I've got a problem with my heart. Um, oh, need to stop doing whatever it was that I was doing. And uh, I says, look, mate. I, I says, just stop here. You can stop at mine. Um, I've got this meeting today. Uh, and then I, I, you know, you've you've got us for the for, for after. So um, Liam, the guy that I had the meeting with. Uh, Turned up. Yeah. I introduced you. You yeah. shook hands. And I says, right, we've got to go. We gets out of the door. Right? <clears throat> yeah. It's out the back door. And as soon as we got out of the back door, he says, I need to go back and help that guy. Now, Liam is a, a, an energy healer, uh, but, uh, amongst other things. He owns an engineering company, but he's an energy healer. He does it for free because he's, 
he's loaded and he, he just wants to wear giving back. Yeah. And I said, he says, I need to go back and help that guy. And I says, why? What's, what, what, what do you mean? And he says, he's got a problem with his heart. And I was like, how the did. fucking hell did you know that? Because he's only just told me, you know what I mean? But then he's an energy healer, aren't he? That's what you know. So like, I, I was like, wow, right, okay. So we went off, done our meeting, uh, came back, and then we had, had dinner at mine, and um, Sorry, then, I then he sat downstairs with you, and, and me and Megan went and sat upstairs in the office, and um, and then about an hour later, Liam comes upstairs. You were still downstairs, and he says to me, "Liam was shook up like, eh? and and um, I says, you all right?'" And he says, "Yeah." He says that was the most powerful experience that I've ever had in years of doing what I do. And yeah. I said, "What happened, like?" And he says, "Well, um, and and Andy's Andy's dad came through, and he, he's he's obviously your dad's passed, and um, he, he says his his dad came through, and you know there was so much stuff, and um, he, he says it felt like he was he was there in the room. He says it was so powerful, yeah. so overwhelming, such a strong. All the hairs on my arm standing up now. I don't know if you can see. It. I've got all the chicken skin. Just I forgot about yeah, all this. And and, and 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 then um, he says it was such a powerful experience. And he says it felt like he was he was there. Mm. You, he said that you turn around and says, "Well, he kind of is. He's still in the boot of my car because you'd been carrying." Oh yeah, I had his ashes in the fucking yeah. car. <laughs> 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 oh, but, um, yeah. you know, like Liam knew how close you were to your dad, and and how mm. close your dad was to you. Like even well, still at that moment, you know what I mean story is is my dad's from where you're from yeah so my dad's from the lake district he was born in a place called cockermouth and then grew up in a place called whitehaven right yeah and my dad's dad was the chief superintendent in whitehaven he was the top dog yeah right and then kind of long story short my old man joined the police force up there and his dad said to him the only reason you're here is because of me so my old man resigned and this is kind of where i get it from he resigned and moved down to london joined the met went through the Met to the SEG and into the Royal Protection Group and worked his way up and then was the Queen's bodyguard. Yeah. And Princess Di's bodyguard. So that's where that little story come from. But I took, that's what, that's what it was as well. I forgot about it. I took his ashes up there to spread his ashes up there, but I decided not to because I had them in the car and I was like, well, thinking about it, he fucking couldn't wait to get away from the gaff. Why the fuck would I want to put his ashes up where he come from? Yeah. yeah. And I left him with my cousin and asked him just to look after him, but none of us talk anymore. So, you know, unfortunately he's still sitting there, but I did take half his ashes to Silverstone and they wouldn't let me spread his ashes on the track. So I opened a water balloon up and I tipped the ashes into the water balloon, filled it with water. And I threw the, as Rossi went over the line, I threw the water balloon over onto the tarmac as he crossed and got thrown out of Silverstone. That's another story. But yeah, my old man went on to the... Yeah, he, would have, he would have loved that. But yeah, that's a good, another story. But yeah, that when that guy, I remember, he always puts a bit of music on when he does his readings and that. And he put his music on. And it was so weird because my dad's favourite um, instrument was the trumpet, yeah? And he put his music on and the trumpet was on there. And I thought, that's a bit weird. 
So, and I, I'm trying to remember a lot about it because I put things in a box and forget about trauma and that because I just move on. And that's probably a lot of why I'm, I get angry a lot because I have all this pent up, you know, pro, like it, it all stems from childhood, doesn't it really? Like fucking we're all fucked. And um, he started talking and he said, I'm going to say a few things and started talking about a pocket watch and it was in a, in a right drawer and the second drawer down and that was the pocket watch that was in my dad's right hand bedside table that was and he's talking about all this and he started saying you know i'm, I'm getting this this name coming through never met this guy before have i did i ever meet I've, him i've never met him at all no I've, way in the world he, he did not know fuck all about me. it was it was freaky for me mate do you know what i mean like what i seen going on and, and you know like it blew his mind it blew it blew your mind you know like fucking he said to me afterwards, he said, I've healed over two, 300 people or more, I think. And he said, and that was the most, to this day, he said, and I probably should phone him and say hello and see how he's there. And he said it was the most powerful reading he's ever had. He said, the energy surrounding you is just unfucking believable He went, there's something not right about you. So he started talking about the bad heart because I was on the roids at the time. I was massive. Remember, I was fucking massive when I was training all the time and, and I was... I nearly killed myself. I was getting on it. I was self-medicating with a gear, with a coke, with steroids. Cocaine, wasn't it? That was your tipple at the time. Oh, fucking hell. Who doesn't like that anyway? Fucking even the politicians and all that. Oh, he does it. But I was never on fucking heroin and all that shit. Whatever. I never caused no dramas because of my uh, fucking tipple of life. You know, you get people that are alcoholic. Oh, I don't judge them. You do what you want. But, you know, I'm, I'm as good as gold now because I'm in a good relationship. You, mate. Not judging you, but that, that's that's where you were at. You know what I mean? And it, it, again, it, I think it's an important part of your story because it was fucking fucking your shit up. And hmm. uh, uh, so at that point, yeah, um, we had this that, that thing with Liam and then... After that, me and you decided to... Um... Well, listen, let me just tell you quickly now. He said to me, when I bring you out of this, I'm going to click my fingers and you're going to come round, yeah? And I said, all right, sweet. And he said, I'm going to, um, I'm going to click my fingers and, and, and tap you on the shoulder. This is where it got weird. He was on the other side of the room. He clicked his fingers and I felt on, the, on my shoulders. And he was on the other side of the room, bro. And he said, there's something in the room. All the hairs just stood up there. And he said, I just want to tell you that your dad said he's sorry. And he never meant to do anything wrong. He was just, you know, going through life and doing what he thought was best. And that's when, remember, when I was streaming, there was fucking snot coming out of me. It was just such a moment for me. And it released so much whatever was in there. And I knew that if I stayed where I was, I was never going to get out of there. Uh, you know, I'd already tried to fucking top myself because I didn't know where else to go. You know what I mean? I've, I've tried to blow... Yeah, anyway, so that's... Go, go back to London after that, did you? You stayed up with me, and then we... Stayed with you. You worked in the studio for a while, and then we set up the Tattoo Escape, <laughs> rented that big fucking mansion, and... Yeah. Um, and then, just... So Tattoo Escapes was basically we were going to bring in artists into the UK. They were going to come and work at the studio. We had this big house, six six bedroom on it, and uh, you would look after them, ship them backwards and forwards to the studio, feed them because you're a brilliant cook, and um, everything would be like a busman's holiday sort of thing. They come over for yeah. three months and you look after them. But eight weeks before the first artist was coming to the house, you got an offer to go to Bali. 
One. No. 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 What happened? No. What happened was is we set up tower escapes, and I think I think we would we done a few things. We had Anto Tester, Emilio came up. I think Shaman came over. A few people turned up. And then we were making the house look nice. And, me, and Megan was like, I want to move into the house. So, so you guys moved into the house because you wanted to move from the place you were in. So we, all, we were all living there together. And it, I think it became, we were stepping on each other's toes. And it was, you know, when you feel like, oh, it's actually time to go. And I said, look, this, this is everything we've done. Just follow the fucking script. And you had a few artists come to you after that and stay with you. And then I think you realized that I'd, I'd gone by them because I, bearing in mind, I'd just gone through a bankruptcy as well. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, to, I had to go bankrupt, and it was the most relieving thing I've ever done. Fuck me, it was like you remember the Davindoff advert, that geezer that comes out of the water, and he goes, <gasps> "Yeah," and it's, it was a big. And I always compare it to that because it was like I could breathe again. And I used to say to you, "Oh, what about this?" And you said, "Just do it. Just get out of the way, man. You'll learn so much from it because you've been, you've gone through that, and it doesn't make you a bad person. It just like the tools that you had at the time weren't correct for what you were in that situation. So." If you fail, fail forward. So I had a friend in New Zealand, Thailand, Bali, and you went, and I thought, right, I'm going to send them a message each. Whoever gets back to me first, I'm going to go there. And I had the convertible BM at the time and the X5 and a few uh, the, the tow machines and a couple of watches, and I sold them all. And I, I think I left with about seven grand, eight grand, whatever. And I had a bit of dough, and you said, if you need any help, and I went to Bali and I fucking, mate, it was the best thing I ever did because three weeks into it, I met Chill. Um, and the mad thing was, is when I met Chill, I'd seen Chill on my mate's Facebook about six months before. And I thought, fucking hell, she's a nice bit of fluff there. I thought, she's all right. I thought, oh, I wonder if I'll ever meet her. And I got to Bali and she just split up with her fella and went on this mad kind of healing process which everyone does in Bali. <laughs> and um, so I went to Bali and I was having colonic irrigations. They were sticking things up me dot and cleaning me out. And I was having counseling and I was really working on myself. And that's the hardest thing in the world to do. Yeah, you can go to work every day and you can do your thing and you can pretend to be who you're not and whatever and your ego and shit. But when you start opening what's in the basement up, that's a fucking hard thing to do. And I was going through um, Nigel, um, can't remember it, Irish fella, top counsellor. Started met him in the gym actually over there. And I started doing counseling, real deep stuff, you know, and doing the colonics and the juicing. And I lost all that weight and I was training. And I was just in a I, I felt like I'd been given a new lease of life because bearing in mind I'd had all that pressure from the studios, different. So it's it's fine having a studio, but when you've got 10 people in one studio, five and another seven and another six, and whatever it was, all these guest artists, you, just say for instance, you've got 30 artists. You just haven't got 30 artists. You've got 30 personalities. You've got 30 different problems every day. You've got 30 things that you don't really or shouldn't have to deal with because they're not capable of dealing with their problems. But because you've employed them and they come and work with you, and you know, I'm running around trying to find houses for people. And I did the best I could with what I had. And if people don't like that, then fuck off. Yeah. And then I got to Bali and I had no dramas. I had to get up in the morning and walk down the beach and it was the most beautiful thing. And in opening up myself, I released all that bad energy and I had all this room for this new stuff that was happening. It was magical, magical. I remember when you, you first came up and that and you were like, oh, um, you know, you were talking about everything that was going wrong. And I, I says to you, you, you'll remember this. I can remember it clearly. I can even remember, remember. what point... We were on the road, 
when we had this conversation in the car, I says, Andy, you haven't even hit the fucking bottom yet. You know, I, I said, oh, I remember you said, I'm not helping you, you're remember? not at the bottom yet. Yeah, I remember it. Clear as day, bottom before you can bounce back. And I honestly believe that you hadn't quite hit the bottom. It was before the bankruptcy. It was before Tattoo Escapes. I said, you've got to hit the fucking bottom to be able to bounce back. And the other thing that I said to you was, you are like a V8 engine. So mm. powerful, but you've got a misfire. And yeah. I think that's what you fixed in Bali, you know? When when before you went to Bali, you were like, I don't want to go, Rich. I don't want to go. You were you were you were you were shitting yourselves, you know what I mean? Because it was like fucking chucking away your entire fucking couple of decades previously and completely starting again because you were going with a one-way ticket, mate. You know? Yeah, and, and the thing is, is when, when you when you grow up in an area and you're known and you're walking down the street, hello mate, how you doing? And I used to call it the the bread and milk walk. So yeah, get your paper in the morning and you say hello to everyone. You've got your milk ready for your coffee, and you just know everyone. I could go on my phone, you know, someone would phone me up and say, oh fucking, I don't know. There's a load of whatever's just come in, and and I'll say, yeah, sweet, I'll sell it, and it could be fucking hundred VC DVD player, whatever. And I'd say, and I could make money. Just it's my bed used to make itself in the morning, mate. That's how good it was. But really, was it? Because I was hanging around with a load of fucking idiots, and you know they talk a good talk and all that. And then when I went to Bali, I didn't know anyone, and it was so beautiful because I didn't have to say hello to the same people that I knew were dickheads anyway. And I went there, and it was so difficult to the transition of I don't know anyone, but did I ever? Yeah, so I'm meeting all these new people and they're all working on themselves and they're all trying to be a better person. I'm actually think, sitting there thinking, well, I'm around people that, like I'll never take advice off of anyone I don't aspire to be like, but I'm around people that are architects and fucking this and that, whoever they are. And they're actually good people and they're humbled and they've got great energy. And, and I met a few plonkers out there as well. You do anywhere in life, but, and I stopped drinking for six months and fucking really, really worked on myself. And then met Chill and she was like, come to come to Australia. And, and I did. And bearing in mind, I left <laughs> I left England after a bankruptcy with, with a few quid in my back pocket, not knowing what the fucking, what was going to happen, where I was going to end up. And I've ended up in Australia with a beautiful girl. She's stunning. Not just Where's in looks. Jill? But... Is, she, is she about? Can she come and say uh, Chill. Baba, no, she's, she'll come out in a bit. We moved to Manly. No, sorry. She took me to Manly and I fell asleep on the beach in her lap. She was stroking my head and I fell asleep and I woke up and I said, give me a year and we'll live here. And he, two days before the day of the year, we got a penthouse apartment in Manly above the surf club. And I was helping that plonker with his tattoo studio and went in with him. And that was just, I should have never have gone back into the industry, but, He's doing really well now, and his studio looked like a fucking kebab shop when I got it, and I made it look the bollocks, yeah? And I left my mark on that, whether, whatever happened, yeah? And he learned a lot from me, whether he had no systems, no, he didn't even have a card machine. I got him set up, systems, everything, and it automated, everything was the bollocks in there. And it, in doing that, he now has a, a pretty successful shop in, in Manly, and for me, that's good, yeah? I don't begrudge him, I don't hate him, I've learned a lot to just relax. And that was my biggest problem because I always struggled with not being in control. And that's why the studios failed, I think, because I didn't delegate and I was always hands-on and I had to do this and this was and that. But so after the studio in Manly, then we opened the, the beauty salon and 
the piercing studio and had the man cave and all that. But in moving to Australia, that's when I started influencing because I wasn't allowed to work in Australia. So I started the company in England with Jason and I used all my contacts in the tattoo industry to do websites, branding and all that. And that was a fucking journey as well because working with tattoo artists is really hard. They earn a fortune, but they don't like releasing it. Yeah, it's one of the hardest things in the world to get money out of a tattoo artist or a studio. Yeah, it's all right when they're not paying taxes and earning 500 quid a day, but you try and get 500 quid a month off of them just to do branding, it's impossible. You know, and there's a few companies out there, but we were one of the first companies, I think the first company, Influencing, was the first company to have multiple people helping them on social media. And, you know, it's amazing how many people wanted my services and help until you said, you know, if you pay, you pay attention, and no one was paying. So I've seen some epic amount of ass kissing at that point. Like, wow, you are fucking licking your ass. You know, there you go, bruv. Because I'm good at what I do. Yeah, I'm good at what I do, but it's it? the way you, I. You did. You fucking. You, you did. You did it. And I've I've also watched some some people from that have done really well. Like they were not doing so well. And now they're doing fantastically. And I fucking swear it was because of your influence on their business, you know? Yeah, I mean, someone said to me, uh, I won't mention his name, but you probably know what I mean. But he said to me, oh, I think you, me, and someone else are the biggest influences in the tower industry. And I said, oh, shut up, you Wally. I said, what were you talking about? I said... You've got your company that you fucking copied some someone else's thing and you've made it and you're a snake, yeah? I said, and the other fella is actually a really nice fella. I won't say his name. And I only stopped talking to him because of that fella, yeah? And I just thought I don't need these people in my life anymore. And I never wanted to be an influencer in life, but I know how hard it is to have nothing and work your way up. So if I can then do something to make someone's life easier, I will. Sometimes it's proved wrong or sometimes it's kicked me in the ass and, you know, bit me in the ass. But I originally started influencing to help people. I just wanted to pay it forward. And that's all I did. And then I ended up having 20, 30 clients and it was like, fucking hell, man. I'd rather have seven studios again. It was too yeah, difficult. Was too big. To you didn't want to get back into the tattoo industry and you got right back into the tattoo industry. It's kind of so, such a familiar thing for you to do. But then... Yeah, 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 because that 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 was clearly stressing you out a lot, you know. And um, you sort of wrapped that up. Uh, shout out to Jason, by the way. Um, uh, he's a good lad. He's a good lad. We still do. We still have. What we did was we changed it from Influence Inc. K at the end to Inc. Media because we wanted yeah. to make it more into a media company. And it was funny watching people. You've seen the videos we've done. And then instead of doing tattoo industry, I thought, fuck this, I'm going to go for the people like, you know, Sonique, BAFTA Award winning Sonique. And um, uh, what's the Boy, fashion? Boy yeah, Boy George. We had um, fucking Gok Wan. We had, um, what's the fashion designer that I did? Uh, fuck, it's bad I've forgotten his name, actually. And we, we started taking real high-end clients and I was doing all their videography. But... I wasn't. My team in London were. I'm in Australia and I'm still shitting shit up in London. Yeah. Yeah. And you look and you say, and so many people, like all the garage scene and all the music world I was in, I just started going for a different avenue with people that actually had money and actually wanted to grow instead of, 
I tell you what, it's going, well, I've given you 500 quid a month and I'm not growing for what reason? Because you expect me to do it or I'm just showing you what to do. Yeah, if, if you're not putting the work in and doing it, it's never going to work. So that's by the by. But we've still got seven or eight accounts that I've got residual incomes. So we're starting to, we're starting to get there now, but there's uh, in between like where we're up to at the minute and now... Yeah. That is an entire trip right the way around Australia, or almost right the way around Australia. Well, in this is the other thing. <laughs> but this is the other thing. So, so in, oh, hang on, we got a bit of feedback. No, it's all right now. Um, hang on, we have right there. There's mine. Ah, that's right. So when we had the studio in DY, bearing in mind in Australia we got. When I first got here, we got droughts, fires, and COVID. Yeah, it was bad. We've been through it here. Yeah, we, we opened this studio, so we've been all through that, and they had a cricket match with 30,000 people, but they shut us seven times for piercing with COVID. And I thought, fuck this, I'm not gonna, I'm not sitting here letting this government fuck me again. I'm not doing it. They've done it in England, that's bankrupt. Since so we're selling up and we're fucking off. And she went, what do you mean? I said, I'm going to build a car that looks like something out of the A-team and we're driving around Australia. She went, you can't, we're in COVID. And I went, yeah. I said, you can travel through COVID with, for relocation or work. So in all the time that I was in the tower industry, I met all these people in Australia around so I messaged every single one that I knew. And I said, can you write me an email or send me a message saying I'm coming to work in your studio? And they did. So every point, if we got called by the police, I had a backup plan. Emails, bruv, I'm 10 steps ahead all the time. And that's why people don't like me sometimes because I might look green, but I'm fucking nowhere near a cabbage, yeah? And I fucking, we left. And we got pulled by the police. Someone grasped us up on Instagram. They followed our journey, screenshotted us. We got pulled by armed police. In, oh, I'll tell you the story about me and Emilio with the armed police in a minute in Dublin. That's a great one. But So we're travelling around Australia, and, and someone stopped us in. They fucking grasped us up. So we got to Queensland, and I've pulled out of the place without a belt on, and they've whoop, whoop behind us, and this copper's giving it the fucking big one. And I said to him, listen, mate, like you're being a little bit too much. And he went, he had his hand on his gun, and I said, well, you know, fucking chill out, mate. It's only fucking flu. What are you doing? And that's all it is. And look what's happened now. Like the deadliest virus in the world. Where's it gone? Yeah, but the funny thing was, is when they were declaring war, Putin, it all disappeared. Why? Because when you've got to get troops, and if there is national service, well, apparently you can't fly without a jab. So national service comes around, and no one's had the jab. How are they going to get anyone to war? It's all bullshit. And I saw through it, you knew, you, everyone saw through it, the people that were switched on and the people that believed it, fair play. Yeah, if you believe that and you think the government are correct and everything's right, then that's, I'm not anti-vax, I just don't want it. Yeah, and we got round Australia, middle of fucking COVID, we'd done six, five months, I think it was. I saw some of the most beautiful things in my life, bro. And that's what I was about to say. Like, you, you not only saw some of the most beautiful parts of Australia, but you fucking had it to yourself. There was no tourists there. You, not one. Beaches, like, it looked like a deserted yeah. island sort of thing, you know? And, and like, yeah, it was, it was an amazing thing to watch. I mean, it was, 
it yeah, wasn't it was, just that. It was, it was really good to watch for, from from the point of view of you posting stuff on social media and us getting to see it and that. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. I felt like I was there with you. Yeah, but the thing is, that I, I think a few people, and certainly some of our friends in Australia, we don't talk to them anymore because they became a little bit jealous that they were stuck at home and under the cosh of the government's reign or whatever you want to call it. And I just saw through it and thought, well, I'll take the fine. If I'm going to get a 10 grand fine for driving around Australia, give it to me. I've fucking lost, I've, I've been a millionaire. I don't give a fuck. I've lost it all and I've got it back. And I've, do you know what I mean? I lost that studio in DY. That cost us 300 grand. 300 grand, Cyprus, 60 grand, Dublin, 150 grand. I'll do, you want to do the maths on it? Yeah, it's fucking mad the amount of money I've lost. But I've always come out of it and gone forward. So you want to give me a 10 grand fine for being free? Give it to me. I'll pay it. I don't care. Right? And we got to the Northern Territory. I'd never do that. That's, that's not a place you want to go ever. It's fucking awful there, bro. And then we got to WA. We crossed the border there. And fucking we crashed the car, bruv, and I broke my back and we smashed the car up and I forgot to insure the car like a prick. I was so busy doing everything else that I just forgot to press. I was on the, the car thing and I was really pressed the green button and then something happened because I do a million things at once and I forgot to fucking insure the car. So bearing in mind, where you saw the crash, that was mad. And then a lot of people, when I put the air ambulance up, they didn't know that that had happened. They didn't know how severe it was. And I'm... I'm fucking on a stretcher getting flown to Perth because I can't feel my feet. And they said, you broke your back, mate. And I, I was three days in, I was starving. They wouldn't feed me. And I went, nah, fuck this, I'm hungry. I'm getting out of here. It's a true story. Ask Chill. Chill. She must have fallen asleep. So I fucking, I'm sitting in this hospital and there's some fella kicking off in the bed. And I said to, he's underarm guards, yeah? And I said to the poppers, I said, if you don't shut him up, I'm going to get up. I said, he's right winding me up. He's giving me the petrol. I said, I'm going to get up and give him a clip round here, yeah? And I fucking, I got the ump and I pulled all my lines out, my arms, all the morphine they were giving me. I felt like a zombie. I, I couldn't have it. I didn't want it. I ripped them all out and I stood up and I'm making over from the, from the fucking morphine. Checked myself out. Yes, yeah, so I checked myself out and she went, where do you want to go? And I said, and this isn't being big-headed, I nearly died, yeah? I said, I'm checking into a five-star hotel, fine one. We're going to go and have a beautiful steak, get one with a rooftop restaurant. I'll send you the pictures afterwards. This gaff was the bollocks. And she was like, we just nearly died in a car crash. And I said, yeah, I know. And life's so short. It's actually not. It's one of the longest things we ever do. And I thought I could, I could have never eaten a steak. I could have never seen this view again. And I didn't put the pictures online because I didn't want people to judge me for it. But we, we did. We went and had a Chateaubriand. on. We were eating fucking, bro, these fish tacos and these, black fucking baps and all this, man. It was lovely. And I sat there and I just said to her, I, I can't believe that we nearly weren't together anymore. <laughs> and you it know, was we kangaroo, wasn't it, that jumped out in front of you and uh, caused Yeah, it was. Well, it weren't just that. It was, it was something like the sand on the road disappeared in the road. And, and we didn't flip that way. We flipped that way, yeah? So we went twice that way. And, then, and bro, it's the only the, the structure in the back of the car that saved us, where I built the wooden struts in the back to put the wood down the side of the car to do the rejoin, it acted as a roll cage. And if you look at the whole front of the car, it was smashed to fuck, and then the back of the car had a little tiny dent in it. And where we were smashing and rolling, and fucking, but then as we went upside down, the water tank we had on the top, and I can smell the petrol, and I can, 
and we're covered in water, but I can smell petrol. And in my head, I've seen too many movies, bro. Yeah. And she's screaming in the car. It's quite hard to talk about it. And I, I bang my door open. Fucking, you should see my shoulder. I had a proper bruise on it. And I've run around and I've ripped her door off to get her out of the car. And she's jumped over my side and gone out my door. So I fucking, I can't find her. So I'm freaking, I think she's fucking gone out the, the car. <gasps> Mate, I said I was in panic mode, right? And there's glass everywhere. She's running up to the road. So I've run up and put her over my shoulder and taken her that way, sat her down, run over, got the fridge that was fucking scattered. We had a big roof to, uh, fridge on the roof, picked it up on my shoulder, Run over, sat her down, sat her on there, got a blanket around her. She's got blood everywhere. She broke a collarbone and that. Not knowing that, I, I didn't know I'd broke my back at the time. I picked her up, and so I'm fucking just keeping. And then when all my adrenaline went, and this trucks turned up and ambulances took them two hours. And yeah, I fucking just went into shock. And then the pain was just, well, I've been in some things in my time, mate, let me tell you. But this was next level. So yeah, flown to, we got taken to Exmouth. I don't know if you remember, we saw it in the news, a little girl went missing in Australia and they found her, but this was just where that was. And we got taken there and the doctors were a bit weird in there, bro. Let me tell you now, it's fucking a bit weird, man. And I said, they wanted to take me to Perth. So yeah, they flew me to Perth. We stayed in Perth for a couple of days and I said to her, I think this trip's finished. And went, yeah. I said, come on, let's go home and see Sky and around the people we know and love, you know, and we got back here and I started doing a little bit of Raptor in here and there doing cars and that, and it just escalated to this. And I fucking ended up saying to me, pal, listen, I need, and bearing in mind, I flew back to Sydney with nothing. The car, no insurance, lost 40 grand with a car, the 15 grand it took to, to build it. Um, and I had about 10 grand cash in the top of the car that we were using to go around Oz because didn't want to use cards because I was incognito, yeah. And uh, we lost everything. Flew back, I didn't have to get us back and hotel and whatnot. And then I found this place and it was a huge deposit. And if I asked you now for 50 grand, what would you say? Well, if I asked 50 grand and I could give you it, then yeah. Right, so if I said to you now, have you got 10 grand? It's more doable. If you've got it, you'd be more likely. So Jason told me this once, he said, if you ever need a large sum of money, don't go and borrow 100 grand or buy 10 grand off 10 people. Yeah. He said, and it's, it's more doable. But this place was near, near on 80 grand. So one of my pals lent me 30. I flipped a couple of things and made a few quid. And I ended up getting all the money together. And I got this place, not knowing how much more expensive it would be because I'm just like a bull in the china shop. And yeah, this place has cost me fucking more than two of my studios put together. And, but I've done it. I'm here. I'm fully booked for three months. I've got. I've, I've got this, the keys on the 15th of Feb and I've not had a day off since. I'm fucking knackered, to be honest, bro. But yes, yeah, so that's a, that's, a, that's the Australian story. And there's so many more. Like, and then though, like, you, you know, when you got back there before you had that place, you um, you got onto the Raptor in, which is basically, uh, yeah. it's almost like a, how would you describe it? It's like, it's like a spray spraying cars, but it's a different kind of coating, isn't it? It's it's like a rubberized, really hard yeah. chip resistant coating. <laughs> and you were doing it on people's drives and everything, weren't you? And, um, <laughs> you know, like no no real equipment or anything like that, just a little compressor and a, and a, and a, 
that was it, you know, a bit of masking paper and some tape and that. And you yeah. built a business from nothing again. Yeah. And I, I like yeah. I've known you for a long time now, and I've never known you to paint cars or fucking do shit like that. But you just like boom fucking turned your hand to 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 doing that, which I was already amazed at what you were doing. And then you went and flipping got that garage, which is like a, a dream workshop for for anybody who's into you know into into that sort of in, into vehicles and working on vehicles and and uh, now is it, is it, I, I never wanted to same with underground i never just wanted to have a tattoo studio i wanted a clothing brand a coffee shop but fucking you know we used to have andy c djing in my fucking uh studios andy c bro, one of the biggest drummer bass artists in the world you know we'd have live events and shit like that and this is kind of what i want to do with this but like my circle's so small now and i say it's a joke that i text myself like i'm not interested in these teams and i always used to be like with undergrounding oh it's the team and all that there was no teams there there was just people on a stepping stone and here i'm very i'm, I'm not going to do the same thing this is my company yeah you're not part of it you never will be part of it wrapped skin customs is all mine and i will choose my team very very carefully and I will test them strategically. And if you fuck up, you're gone. Yeah. 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 Because my tattoo studios, I always needed people to help run them. Yeah. I needed tattoos. Yeah. Because you couldn't tattoo. Whereas this, you you can make the fucking bread and butter. You can bring it in. If, you're, if, you, if you've got a restaurant and you're a chef, chefs don't turn up, you can put the food for one or two days, take the pressure off, and you can carry on running your business. But tattooing, if you ain't got, eight artists in a studio that are fully booked and none of them turn up for some reason. You're fucked. You've got to give all them deposits, mate. You know what it's like. But here, and for the last four months, you look at my Instagram, every single car you oh, see that the next wheel, I've done. Yeah? And, and I'll carry on doing it until I find the people that I want in this team. And, you know, a good friend of mine, Steve Carter, said to me, I love Steve. He's wicked. He's going for a hard time. And he's the bollocks. I love him to bits. And um, he's got cancer and stuff. But the um, he said to me one day, oh, you can't spray properly. And I went, right, okay. And I went down and I best spray shop. And I went in and I went, I went in. I said, how much to teach me to spray cars? And he said, he told me a price. I won't say how much it was. I went, here you go, boom. And in two weeks, I was spraying cars. Done. Clear coat, paint. I'm still learning how to do um, candy colors and all that. And I'll get there. I'm just starting a powder coating room as well here. You know, and I just, I'm building my own little empire again that I can control. No one can take this away from me. No one ever will. And when I decide to let it go or sell it and exit, there's a lot of people, they start a business, there's an in and an exit to it. And they don't know that. They just start a business and they think, I'll build this business until it's worth whatever it's worth. And I'll sell it on with my database and I'll start another one and or start something else. Because I just can. And it's just, I don't think staying in the same thing for the rest of your life is just, that's not life. That's just living the same day for 40 years and calling it a life. And you're not, do you know what I mean? Like you, you're like the mad scientist, bro. You're fucking always up to something. Building killer bees one day, getting a powder coat in the next, putting opals in them, fucking building supercars, drift cars, this, that. And that's why we get on because you don't give a fuck. I know when people, you know, we do take it to heart a little bit when people are a little bit chastising to us, but we're just so in our own zone. It don't matter. I think you're the same anyway. Yeah, I, th I think that like uh, for, for me and for you as well, we do what makes us happy and whatever, whatever that is, we just do it. We don't let people say, oh, you can't do that. We're like, you know, we, ju we just go and do it. And yeah. a lot of people are not doing, the, they're doing the exact opposite 
they're doing the things that fucking make them miserable and they just keep on doing it because they think that there's nothing out that they can't do what they want to do for some reason because somebody said, oh, you can't do that or whatever. Yeah, That's the best thing anyone ever says to me. If someone says to me, you can't do that, I never say anything back. I just say, all right, and I just do it. It might not be that. Yeah, what's, just... what's that saying? Uh, something about revenge and uh, beating them with success and that, you know? Best oh, yeah. Right. It's the best. All the people that have said stuff about me and all that, yeah, in this industry, I've, listen, I've mugged a couple of people off in this industry, yeah, and I still owe a couple of them money, and they'll never get it. Because they they went below the belt and they said things they shouldn't have said. And I've got the money here to pay them and they'll never get it. Yeah, because I ain't giving it to you. And even if I see you in the street, we're going to throw down. We're going to have it proper. Yeah. And the reason is because you went below the belt. And a lot of it was when my dad died. And they waited. People took shots when I was at my lowest, bro. Yeah. You know, I, I was I went for a real hard time and they and they were it was like fucking a Gatling gun. And they were all speaking, trying to say speaking of shots and guns, what was that crack with Emilio and Oh, it's so funny, yeah. Any studio I've had, I've always said Emilio, come on, come on, we'll go over, we'll have a laugh. So we've um we're uh, oh but bearing in mind as well. We're in London as well, and you can confirm this with Elmo, yeah, right? So I had a stowaway in the back of the car, Brazilian, right? And he didn't have a passport to get back into Dublin. This is the maddest story, yeah? My pal went, listen, get him back to Dublin. I said, all right, I will. Some of the shit I've done, yeah? So we got him in the back of the car, right? And we get fucking pulled by the old bill. We come off the ferry, and I've got a little bit of thing and all that, yeah? And we come in. And I fucking, we got pulled and it's just a fucking, in, in Dublin, they don't fuck around because of all the rah and that, yeah? And they've got full semi-automatic weapons, fucking whatever you've, machine guns, the lot, yeah? And, and I've driven down the wrong road the, where the trams are. When Emilio listens to this, if he listens to it, he'll be laughing now and I say this. We've driven down, he's gone, fucking, there's no entry. And I said, so I've fucking ripped the handbrake up. I've spun around and we've driven back and I went, oh, there's a roadblock we can't turn around now they fucking seen us so I fucking pulled up and she pulled up open the window she went what are you doing so I'm eating an ice cream so I'm driving a car what do you think I'm doing she went where are you going I said I'm going to my tattoo studio she went where's that then I said Underground Inc on the fucking uh, what's the name of the fucking anyway wherever it was and um, she went have you got anything in the car you're not supposed to have I said yeah just a really bad personality. I said, but other than that, no. And I said, uh, you should come to our shop. I said, we've got barbers there. Come and get your hair done for free. Come and get a tattoo. You know, we've got a coffee shop in there. You can come and have a coffee or whatever. I don't think we had the coffee shop by then. I don't even think we started it. We nearly did. I got a chance to I was making them laugh. Yeah, I was having the right laugh with them. Bearing in mind, there's some geezer like that with a gun right in my head, yeah? Emilio's got another one his side. They've got that. We've, we've got thing on us, yeah, because we're going to have a party. And fucking hell, mate, I'll tell you what. They went, go on. I went, what? They said, go on, on your way. And I thought, and I've got a fucking geezer in the back. I ain't got a passport to get in public. And they've got a bit of thing on me. And I'm fucking, I thought, leave it out. We got back. We were just standing there like, like how the fuck did we just get away with that, man? That's the maddest story. And we got back to Dublin. I think Emilio missed two of his clients because we just went out and partied in the Temple Bar and all that. We just fucking quite loud. A lot of the times, I never wanted artists to come and tell. I just wanted them to come and have a good time. I wanted to show them a good time. That's all I ever wanted to do. I, I, underground, I just wanted to show everyone 
this was a place you could relax in and everyone turned it into something it weren't and it got too serious and it's the best thing I ever did get rid of it all rich to be honest with you and you go through the same thing with them all you know with some of the artists you've had and all that and I won't know names but you've been through it all and I feel for you I do I feel for you massively because I've been through it and I go through, you know and I see you going through it sometimes and I just think fucking hell man you'd be much better just in the studio Megan doing her thing you doing yours and fucking whatever but you choose to do what you do and much respect for that because you, you you never veer off. You carry on yeah. doing the same thing. But we get to a point in life where we, we've got to say to ourselves, like, does this work? Is it making me happy? If not, then let's change the path. And that's exactly what I did. And I came out of the tattoo industry and started this. I've never been happier. Obviously, I've not. You could have never planned it either. Could you? Like everything that we spoke about today, like you, you just couldn't. You couldn't write this, this is only a tip of the iceberg, mate. You know a lot of the other stuff, yeah? Fuck me, you know a lot of it, yeah? This is just us having a chat about minuscule things that have happened, but... Yeah. It's it's all part... Life's, life's just a journey, do you know what I mean? It's, just, it's, it's all about... It's not what you... You can't take it to the grave with you, so it's what you leave behind that counts. And if I've helped a few people along the way and it's helped their life, and, and even if they don't admit it, and they can say, well, you know, in their head, he did help me, then that's good enough for me. Yeah, you know, same yeah. pay it forward. So, um, what about the future then? Obviously, you've spoke about like you know, there's going to be a time where you move on from there. Right now, I don't think you've got any other plans, have you? you it's it's really all about what you're doing now. Yeah, this will be turned into so Raptor King Customs will be a um, an all-in-one stop shop for what. You know, audio electrician, you'd be able to come here, get your subwoofers put in, you get your wheels powder coated, car sprayed. I'm talking to someone next week about doing all the fabrics on cars. So it's going to be kind of like a West Coast Customs. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited about what you're doing because it's what I used to do before I was in the tattoo industry. I know, I was right? black cars. And, you know, yeah. so, um, you know, I was building custom cars 15 years ago and yeah, it's just like I'm watching you do. I've got this like quite a deep element of not not jealousy. No, I wish I was there with you. you yeah, know? but you can't. But you, I, I think you'll do until your studio serves you. Until you get to a point where you think actually, you know, I'm going to do what makes me happy because tattoo makes you happy, but dealing with different personalities and problems doesn't make you happy. It can't make anyone happy. Yeah. So when you when you pull in and you become, um, when you're in control of your own destiny and you go back to what does make you happy and you're a creator, um, I think when you're creating the killer bees, the, the upspec ones, not the average ones. And I think when you get to a point where you've had enough and you got, I think it will go full circle and you'll go back into custom cars. And even if you're just buying one, flipping it and selling it, we all know how much money you can make buying and selling cars because I'm making a fortune at the minute. And, um, you know, I think, you'll get to a point where you'll just think, fucking, why didn't I do this years ago? Same as I did. Like, I don't need this shit in my life. I don't want to fucking keep dealing with problems. And it, it starts and ends with you. You know, your happiness is, is the most paramount thing in the world. And if you're not happy, then change it. You know, if you wake up in the morning, not you personally, but I mean, people in general, if you Anybody wake up in general, yeah. then change it. You're not a tree, you're not planted. You do whatever you want, you go wherever you want. And I always say, and I've said it from day one, your passport is the best book you'll ever own because you can fucking take it anywhere and you can be the most philosophical, uh, is that the word? 
you can be the person that, you know, you get all these fucking people to part these memes and like fucking of lions. A, a lion doesn't worry about the fucking sheep. One lions can't talk and sheep can't fucking talk to lions and there's no sheep around lions because they're in the fucking Serengeti and sheep are in Wales. So shut up. Yeah. But if you, if you, if you take kind of all of the information people are giving you and you take it on board and then you move into something better in life, whether people agree with it or not, and you're genuinely happy, then fucking who is anyone else to say you, sh you shouldn't do it? You know, if, oh, he failed. Yeah, maybe I did fail, but I'm fucking, I'm happy in myself now. And Bali was a big thing for that for me. You know, I lost my ego. And then when I done DMT the other day, fucking hell rich, man. That was the bollocks. They called that the ego death, and it did. It fucking stripped me for it. Like, I've never experienced anything like it. It really did take me to a parallel universe. And just fucking, like, my pineal gland opened up, and I went into a whole different way of thinking. And then I opened this place. I'd done that, and then opened this. Because I, I, I just knew it was the right thing to do. I could have gone and opened another tattoo studio or done whatever, and I didn't. I just what will make you happy and, and doing cars up was making me exceptionally happy. And the only reason I'm a little bit tired at the minute is because I've got so much on, but it genuinely makes me happy inside giving the keys back to a customer and watching the smile on their face and then leave. And obviously the money going in the bank and I, I'm just really enjoying life. And I never got that with undergrounding one because I was self-medicating trying to make everyone happy and it just didn't work. But now I'm making myself happy every day through hard work and just keep going. And, and I think everyone should do Campbell once said, uh, follow your bliss and doors will open where there were only walls. Yeah. And when you let go of all the, when, when you let go of all the stuff in the basement, like when you let go of the we've all got a bit of ego, we've all got a little bit of this and whatnot. And you know, when you let go of that renting that car and living at your mum's house and putting your fake watch on and you're doing all the shit you're doing and then you go to a place where none of that matters anymore, like legit, I, it doesn't matter. And I show my journey on Facebook, not because I'm showing off and I've never done it to show off, it's to show people that you can do it. You can come from nothing and become everything if you feel it here and you see it there with your eyes. If you can touch it and you can feel it and you can see it, you can do it. And anyone that thinks that's wrong is completely, like, it's just manifestation, you know, like the secret with you and all the other stuff, you know, if you, if you can see it, you can do it. And until the day I stop breathing, whenever that is, next week, 10 years, fucking whenever, I'm not going to stop. And you've got to put a bullet in my head to stop me. And no one's ever had the books to do that anyway. So for that. But, you know, so I'm just, yeah, yeah, again, I'm just really enjoying life. And I, I really value the friends that are around me, including yourself and, and people that are, you know, are still in my circle. You're true inspiration. You are. Uh, yeah. I, the people that have watched you, you, you couldn't say anything else. Even if, even like you say, even if the, they don't like you, they're still inspired by you. They, 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 you know, um, now you, you've done amazing, and I think you're amazing. I think everybody around you thinks you're amazing, and um, yeah, just like hat off to you, mate. You, you've you've done so well. I'm gonna have, I'll have to send you a. So we started the Raptor King Customs. So I'll have to send you a hat and a jumper because fucking you got one when I didn't know you and I do know you. Know, and you yeah, got yeah I want one of them hats. I'll wear I actually got one to my head. I look stupid in the hat, but yeah. Yeah, so, no, they're really, really good. You're really good at branding, you know. You, you've always been good at your, your branding and your marketing and you, you, you're good at so much stuff. Um, you're larger than life. 
Andy Large, isn't it? That's what was that number? Yeah, well, when you were... I, actually, I actually got my I actually got my book deal signed by Karen McDermott in Perth. She actually signed the book, and I got halfway through it and got to the bit with my dad and stuff, and I just couldn't write it. I couldn't get past that. I had like a mental block. I might I might pick it up, and I'm halfway through. I send you it. It's fucking amazing. And I I, I I strongly believe that one day it will be a bestseller, but I'm, I'm just not quite ready to to go through that stuff that I've put in the basement again, you know, and, and, and well, it's still very what we just spoke about today, mate. Oh, but that's not even... Like, there's, there's so much more, uh, Rich. Like, there's so much more, mate. And, you know, I'm only here today because I've got that determination and willpower that I've never met in anyone else. Like, you can't stop me. You've you seen me snap my knees and fucking do the maddest shit. I've accidents and I just get up the next day and I carry on because I just couldn't forgive myself if I threw the chance to do it. Like, the statistics of us as humans being here is so, like, it's, it's like winning a lottery like, fucking millions of times. It's unbelievable. And there's people sitting there smoking weed and fucking sitting on Facebook and judging me. I, I generally try and stay as positive as I can. And if I, like Les Brown says it, he says, imagine sitting on your deathbed when all your hopes and dreams are surrounding you, saying, why didn't you take that chance? And I can honestly say whether I check out tomorrow or in 20 years, every opportunity that has landed in my lap, if I haven't taken it or if I have done it and I've learned from it, failing forward, and I've, I've utilised everything that's been put in these hands and everything you see from day dot to now is... Is, is is that, that's it. I was never born with a silver spoon. I didn't have a rich family. I never got handouts, you know, and I just unfortunately made the mistake of asking the wrong people to help me, you know, along through life. And, you know, but thankfully I've, I've met some amazing people that have helped me in life, including yourself and all the other people were just lessons. That's all, you never lose, you learn. <laughs> so yeah that's just me true inspiration and you're a true creator and that's what this podcast's about it's about people that have got off their ass and went and done something with their lives like one of the things that i really want to get across to anybody who's listening to this right throughout any of the podcasts is that we're kind of all the same you know it, it doesn't matter what hand you're dealt it's what you do with it that counts, you know? Like, yeah, everybody's got a different situation that they're coming from, different opportunities and stuff. But if you can see it in a year and, and feel it in there and believe it, then then you can go out and do it, you know what I mean? And it, the, the, the difference is actually getting off the fucking couch, switching off the TV and actually doing it. Because once you start doing it, you find, you know, hang on a minute, I've just done that. You know, that's the only way to, to achieve anything by actually going about and doing it not talking about it not not just dreaming about it but actually getting off your ass and going and doing it and i think that's the only difference between us and people who haven't done anything in life you know um, you know there's people who are like oh you, you talk too much about what you do because if i say it there's certain things in life that i've done and i've said i'm doing this and i've put it online but then you look about a year later down the line and i've done it I might not have done it then, but it's still manifested in my head. Yeah, it's still there. I just haven't got to the point where I'm capable. <laughs> I call it alignment. You're just waiting for alignment. Yeah. The things need to fall into place. But yeah, you're absolutely right, you know, and I, I, I'm the same. It's very rare that I'll say that I do something and I don't do it. 
unless I yeah. choose not to do it, unless I change my mind, then 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 it, it happens at, at some point. And then and the funny thing is as well is 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 when people when you when you choose to say you're going to do it and you don't do it or you choose a different route and they go oh he's failed but they don't realise what you've learned along there people don't understand if you look at my Instagram on Influence Inc when I first started doing the branding to now fuck bro it is it's gone in a rocket up there and I didn't know how to do it at all and I was learning how to put videos together and editing and all that and you look at some of the shit we do now bro it's fucking next level do you know what I mean and 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 even if you're at a point in life where you're not quite sure how to do it, just fucking do it and don't worry about what people are saying because what you learn through failing and what you learn through um, slipping up and tripping over, it teaches you for the next time and the next time and the next time. The first studio I had, I fucking, well, I wasted so much money on the stuff. The seventh studio, I could build a studio, fucking bond, done, two weeks, three weeks, done, finished. It took me six months to build my first studio and I spent 60 grand doing it. Yeah, the, the full studio cost me 15 grand and I've done it in three weeks because I knew the floor had to go down, that had to be done, the council had to be called, the beds had to be ordered and I knew what sequence it had to go in. But until I failed, I didn't know that. And a lot of people are very scared of being judged by people that don't even like themselves or have even got the bollocks to go out there and do it. So if you're watching and you do take anything from this podcast, and I've really enjoyed this podcast like massively because we haven't had a proper chit chat for ages. Chit chat, that's a mobile phone company as well, but that's another podcast. But I've really enjoyed sort of connecting with you again. And while you're sitting drinking your coffee, I'm drinking beer because it's, I'm not drinking beer in the morning. It's what time is it there for you? In a killer bee cup. Killer bee cup, yeah. Well, killer bee mug. And I've met a few mugs through killer bee, but you're not one of them. So there you go. But. Yeah, I'm having a Peroni because it's fucking nine o'clock at night and I've been working with cockles off all day. So. Well, you know, I think uh, there's a couple of things we'd like to finish on, like with some, some words of wisdom. But to be honest with you, you've spat a load out already. You know, I, th I think there's been so much that people can take from this. We don't need to... Uh, uh, what, would be, what would be your top tip? I think you just kind of mentioned it really. We were talking about kind of getting up. But do you have something that that, that would be... Uh, yeah, I always say, and it's, it's one of my favourite sayings, and I've, I live by it, is be very aware of people who don't clap when you win. And if you've got friends not supporting you on your journey, and they can be the closest people, it all... It lies with jealousy because if I say if you've got two bottles of Peroni that come from the same place and that Peroni does better, that Peroni, I know they're just bottles, but if you come from the same estate and you grow and you're driving around in a Bentley or you've got a business and you get that person sits there and thinks, why has he got that? Because that fucking person has been prepared to put it all on the fucking line and you haven't because you're a lazy motherfucker. You're not prepared to put the work in. You're not prepared to take the jabs and the shots in life and the people thinking you failed. And the people that get, there's a thing called, you must look it up. It's Snoop Dogg. It's called Closing the Gap. It's on YouTube. And he says, when you get homies and you're growing, you're growing, and then you're supporting and putting clothes on the back and all that, and you're trying to bring them up with you, but they're not ready to come up. So that means you've got to come back down. And that's not an option. So you have to keep growing and then closing the gap. So you have to leave them behind. And that's just life. Yeah. Some of the people that I thought were my best mates are still sitting in the same flat, doing the same fucking thing. And that's good for them. For me, I'm not going to be around you because I'm not taking inspiration from you. And I don't want to sit in a flat smoking weed and talking shit. Yeah, when I get to 70, I bought my first boat the other day. Did you see that? Yeah, what about that, bro? 
yeah, the stuff that we could have talked about on here, really, you know, like, um, we don't need to, you know, like it's, uh, um, we've, we've spoken enough. We've run for like two hours now. So, um, there is, there is is so much more. So people find you, uh, social media wise, where can they follow your journey? Oh, well, generally I'd rather they didn't. Um, I'm pretty happy in Australia doing my thing. And there's, I'm not going to make any money from anyone in England following me or no one's going to get any cars done by me. So I wish you all well. You're going to share this out, you know, like you're going to like put this out as well. This, so people in Australia are going to be watching this as well. I've got a lot of friends in Australia through the Opal industry. Yeah. And everything. So, um, yeah. you know, there's, I've got quite a lot of friends in Australia. So people are going to see this over there. So where That's can right. you yeah. King Customs? So you go on Insta, Raps King Customs. There's only one. Um, you get the website, RapsKingCustoms.com. Um, you know, you can see the stuff we're doing. A lot of the stuff that we've got on the website is coming out. So we've actually just put this portal on. We can go on and it's just getting finalised now. We can actually, we've put like the patrols and the, the, the Toyota whatever car it is and you can pick what color you want you can change it and do all that so that's coming out so i'm always trying to push the boundaries and trying to do different things so you can watch the social media and all that and it'd be great for you to get a follow but in in all honesty i've got five thousand people on my facebook from back home in england that i've probably helped two thousand of them that don't follow me or like my stuff and that's great we're all busy doing our own lives running our own race and i don't expect anyone to sort of you know worry about little old me over in Australia, but if you want to follow the journey, it's there. And uh, I appreciate it. If you want to give it a share, brilliant. And um, yeah, I'm just me sitting here. You know, uh, the best thing I ever did come here. The best thing you ever did telling me to go. And I would never ever be able to express how thankful I am for that in in the kind of manly way you know what i mean like uh, i'd pick you up now and give you a bear hug and you fucking be four foot off the floor but you know you can't as a, as a man you can't express emotions sometimes and you can't express how difficult things are but i was at my lowest alone and really never left my side and and we reconnected and you were at a pretty low time and i think maybe me reconnecting with you and just putting a little bit of fun and a couple of jokes back in probably lifted your spirits and if there's anything I can ever do to, for you, you know, I'm always there to help you all, all the time. And, you know, it's, that's, that's unquestioned. You know? Friendship in it. Right, Andy Murphy. There you go. Thank you very You're much good. for coming on. Um, Pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for sitting and listening to uh, that amazing story. There is more. Um, we might do another sometime. Just quickly before... Before before you go, uh, how many podcasts have you done now? Not actually really counting them, you know, like uh, I think we're about maybe 15 or something like that. There's more, there's like the, the on on Spotify and, and the, the actual podcast channel, there's X amount. And then on the YouTube, there's X amount because there's kind of different content you know, because I'm, I'm like kind of vlogging stuff out there as well. So it's like the Creators Podcast on YouTube as well as on uh, iTunes and, and Spotify. So it's sort of different content because a lot of it's visual. So, so yeah, there's... there's what, was the best one hmm? what was the best one you've done so far? <laughs> it was a belter, absolute belter. And it's, it's, it's the one that this is the, this is the first one. 
I think I says to you, you know, like we 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 had that bit fallout, and um, well, do you remember the first podcast we done, and we were speaking about IB and guns and prison and all that, so we could do that next time. And if people are watching, it's part of my life. But I want to ask you one thing: when you ask me, what's the future for you? And you got one word to say it, yeah. And I hope you pick the right one. What's the next in your future? What what what's the one word in your future that you can pick now? And I hope it's the word I'm thinking. Oh, what as far as like what I do or just, just what is the one thing in your life now, one word that you have to work towards every day until you get it? Like hundred percent. Oh, I don't know. There's a bunch of them, Andy. I mean, for freedom, happiness. Uh, you got the second word. The second word. Yeah, no, I, I totally believe that because you know I, I'm. I manage to find happiness when I'm speaking to my friends. I manage to find happiness when I'm engraving, when I'm playing with cars. So I feel like the richest man in the world. You know, like if if I was a multimillionaire, I would still do the same things that I do now. I, I, I don't think I'd change. To add to that, I know a lot of, well, I don't know a lot, of, I know a few millionaires and I, I know some people that are even wealthier than that and they're not happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so honestly, I know money doesn't make you happy. It makes the journey easier. That's all it does. It makes things more accessible. But other than that, happiness now for me is having a supportive and loving fiance who we're getting married to, who's got my back. She never leaves my side, even when I throw my toys out. Yeah, she's amazing. She's awesome, mate. And honestly, and to me, you've seen some of the relationships I've had. Absolute fucking car crashes. You know what I mean? And I fucking tell you now, I would not give them the time of day now. It's a great lesson, but thanks, bye, done. I'm off. I'm with her now. I'm I'm in a different place now. And if people still see me as the person they knew five years ago, ago, then more for them, because I'm a totally different person, like mentally, physically, you know, and I'm glad I'm just keep doing what you're doing Andy it's absolutely fantastic I love you there's loads of other people that love you Chill loves you and um, I'm I'm really really proud of you man so anybody who wants to like check out Andy's stuff uh, Raptor King Customs you'll find most of it and then I guess if you search Andy I wonder what happens if you Google you I don't know I've never tried Googling you but I bet you I bet you come up here it's been fucking great catching up and I'm sure when you hit that record button off we'll, we'll carry on having a chat yeah yeah we will so I'm going to hit this button now so thanks everybody for listening we'll catch Thank you again next time I don't think uh, I don't think we're going to top this one there very easily but uh, we'll give it a go so <laughs> thanks all thanks for coming on I love you lots take care